0: 6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Hello, America. 2 p.m. in London, 7:30 in Mumbai, India. It is 11 o'clock at night in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 1954. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Yes. Oh. I'm so full. I'm so tired. I, can I just take a nap? Just bear with me for a second. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> no, seriously, we went to dinner tonight at a place called Tiffin's Thai Cuisine, Thai food. It's, uh, it's in uh, SS-15, and if you're in Malaysia, you'll know where that is. It is remarkable. I'm very bright tonight, aren't I? Do I need to drop that down a little bit? I think I'm really bright. Okay. Oh, anyway. Yeah, I'm very bright. Uh, anyway, not, not up here. Here. Uh, we went to, uh, to Tiffin's tonight. And that's not what I want to show you. That's me. There you go. That's what I want to show you. <laughs> this is not uh, Somtom, even though it was Thai food. It's called, what is it? Paku? It's basically ferns but all the other ingredients are like som tam. If you know what som tam is, it's a spicy salady fish sauce thing Thai is very famous for. It. I love it. But I might have found a new favorite. This is made with ferns instead of papaya. Som tam is papaya salad. It was incredible. Oh, my God, it was so good. And then there was this, which is their own version, their Thai takeoff on sukiyaki, which was unbelievable. The amount of... I I ordered it with the uh, Thai uh, rice noodles, not glass noodles. But there was huge shrimp in there, some prawns, uh, pork, chicken, vegetables, vegetables. Uh, all kinds of stuff, and it was huge. I don't know; you can't tell from this shot, but it was unbelievably good. This is a beef ball noodle broth, which was the heartiest, like an herbal soup thing. Oh my, it was so good! And then, as a set, it comes with this little uh, container here, this little tiffin container, which has some. Uh, mayonnaise apples here and underneath and the bottom one was oranges very japanese type thing but oh man the food was incredible and i am so stuffed we just got back about 45 minutes ago and i'm stuffed to the gills tonight with uh, with thai food oh <laughs> uh, well it was worth it Alright, what do we got going on? We got lots going on tonight, including I am so sick of whiny, crying little babies. We'll get to that in a little bit. Ooh, the big plane scared me. Anyway, we'll talk about that coming up, but right now let's uh, talk about this little lady. Uh, Miss Miko, please. Where are you? There you are. Miko Update. Yeah, Miki Miko Update. Right now, uh, we've taken to the trick of putting uh, treats in her Kong. Kong is a a special, very famous type of uh, rubber uh, chew toy, but it's hollow inside. You can hide treats in there, and then she's got to try and figure out how to get them out. But she's doing really well. Had a couple of walks today. Everything is fine. She's driving us up the wall. She's about ready to start shedding again. So my industrial strength vacuum cleaner is going to get its work out. But I got this picture of her earlier a couple days ago. She was out in the front yard on the front deck. And she looked very red in this picture. She is a red Shiba, Shiba Inu. But she's kind of that light tan color but for some reason the lighting or something uh, that day she looked very very red and i thought this was a great shot so thank you for asking miko's doing great uh, she's doing very nicely and uh for some reason my software is not playing ball with me very well tonight okay we'll figure it out it's a technical thing you know the boomer and technical stuff so yeah uh miko's doing well thanks for asking What else have we got going on? Oh, our topic, du jour, as they say. You know what it is? It's not my software for my live stream. It's Windows. By the way, for those of you who wondered, yes, I did switch to Windows 11. So far, so good. Not any problems per se. It's kind of weird getting used to the new layout. It's not that different, but it's different. Um, I haven't had any of the problems or issues that I've read about people having with Windows 11, not glass. Uh, so far so good. And only tonight, just in the last 10 minutes, have I noticed I've got some really bad, the computer's very draggy tonight. I don't know why. Anyway, uh, oh, and yes, also, yes, I did shave my beard. I gave up on the beard. I left a little stubble here on the goatee thing, but I really... After it grew in, I thought, you know what? Homeless street urchin really isn't the look for me. It just doesn't. uh, So the razor went on the face and that was it. Done. All right. So we had some excitement here this week because early in the morning, early by early, I mean eight, nine o'clock, the Malaysian Royal Air Force was doing some practicing. So they, oh, so cool. I love the sound of those jets because they sneak up on you. You just hear them when it's too late and they just go, and it's the most, it just gets you right there. It's it's incredible. It's so powerful when those uh, fighter jets fly by. So they were doing that. Now, of course, with all going on in the in the Ukraine and all that stuff, you know, everybody thinking about it these days, it's forefront on everybody's mind. So when you're sitting there having your morning coffee like this, mm, and all of a sudden a fleet of fighter jets, four or five of them fly over in formation, you're like, mm, where did Russia go this time? But anyway, uh, no, they were just had a planned, scheduled, practice runs of different things. He did it for a couple of days. Well, of course, can't let anything go on around here that it doesn't become some sort of little whiny buffalo sandwich controversy. And then this appears in the Malay Mail. Some SPM students take to Twitter to complain on being distracted from the Royal Malaysian Air Force's training exercise drill during their exams, oh, toughen up, wusses! I, you, you know what? You read the story. It's in our show notes tonight. But seriously, here's a picture of the planes. Here's a tweet that went out said, "There was a plane coming in close above our school during paper one, tadi." And I kid you not, I thought it was a bomb and that I was going to die. Grow a pair, kid. As some might get excited, others are surprised by the RMAF, Royal Malaysian Air Force training exercise. Uh, Some were fairly distracted by the noise, yet last for all of maybe, what, five seconds? Uh, That includes some of the Sajil Palajaran Malaysia's SPM candidates, uh, the, basically if you're not from Malaysia, SPM is like the SATs. It's like the end of this exam thing. It's very important. It's a liver die thing. Uh, people put far too much, you know, uh, emphasis on it, but it's required and you know, you got to do well. And if you don't get a billion A's, you're an idiot and all that ridiculous high hope things that we pressure that we put on kids these days. <clears throat> You know what? Forget about college. Go learn a trade. Learn a skill. Trust me, you'll make a lot more money learning to be a plumber or a carpenter than you will getting your degree in liberal arts. Uh, Anyway, they had just started sitting for their national exams on Wednesday. And uh, according to a statement by uh, the Air Force, Uh, The training exercise, which includes low tactical flying, was part of their efficiency training assessment and done in a few areas in Selangor, Kalantan, Penang, and Pahang. Uh, So all over the place, really. And coincidentally, the exercises were done at the same time as the exams. So the students were taking their exams, which caused a minor panic and distraction among the students. This is what I'm talking about. This is the generation we're raising today is this really the way we want our kids to grow up every little noise every little distraction a jet flies over your head for five seconds and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and you got to whine and cry oh i can't concentrate i can't do this i can't take the exam shut up it's a freaking jet plane all right It's an excuse, but these are the kind of whining little babies we're raising these days who get pampered and get given everything they want and they whine and cry their way. And you know what? These are the morons who grow up to be the same idiots that file police reports, wasting the police time every time they get insulted or, Oh, I've been offended. I'm going to file a police report. As I've said a billion times on this show, the police have a lot better things to do than go investigate some person who offended you. Yeah, you were offended. So what? And then what? And then nothing. You get on with your life. You grow a pair. We keep coddling these little kids, and we're going to raise another generation of these morons. Who will do nothing but complain and expect the world to be handed them on a silver platter it wasn't handed to me on a silver platter I had to fight my ass off for everything I ever gained in life and I have had some incredible luck and an amazing career I have had the most incredible journey and I owe a lot of it to luck I owe some of it to good hard work getting my hands dirty not being afraid to put the hours in, put the effort in. But not these days, and not for the last generation or so. We have raised a generation of morons who think everything should be handed to them, and if it isn't, they complain. And if they get offended, all the world has to stop, and we file a police report, and we waste more police time investigating your offendedness. Rather than, you know, murders, robberies, rapes, you name it. You know, the important crime stuff. It's just unbelievable. So anyway, read the article. It's from the Malay Mail. I put it in the show notes tonight, which is our description down below. But like I said, the headline says it all. Oh, the students were distracted from taking their exams because a jet flew over. As I said in the beginning, shut up and sit down. Unbelievable. I have just so had it with this generation of morons who think everything ought to be handed to them. And the moment you get offended, ooh, I'm offended. So freaking what? And then what? Yeah, thank you, Darren. (laughs) Darren, grow a pear, Karen. Boom. Exactly right. grow a pair. And parents don't let your kids be like that. If they come to you with this whiny cry bullcrap, tell them to shut up and sit down and grow a pair, Karen. All right, got another one for you. This is from Laoyatnet and again the link is in our show notes if you want to read the whole article. We just review them here. We don't actually, and we make comments about them, of course, but we don't read the whole article. So uh, we have this thing here. Let me, I actually, you know what? I can show you mine. I don't think it'll come out very well on camera because my phone is very bright. Wow. 56 interactions today. This is what's called my Sajatra. There's no personal information on there, is there? Yeah, there is a little bit. So I won't completely show, but anyway, this is, it's on your phone. And you do this check-in thing, and when you do that, you get this little, oh, look, there's me. And that scans the barcode, and then it tells the system where you were. It's basically tracking. Believe me, if this was going on in America, there'd be a trucker convoy on every street, on every street corner in the entire U.S. But here in Malaysia, you know, being the sheep that we are, we all just bend over and say, give it to me, daddy. So... Yeah, that's what this is. It's called MySjatra, and everybody uses it, and it's about the only way you can get anywhere. It's got a little vaccine passport in there. Whatever. Anyway, here's the good news that came out on Laoyaat Plaza, or pl- Laoyaat.net. Uh, this Mysajatra app reportedly is being throttled. By Samsung's Game Optimizing Service. Oh, yes. Indeed. There's the, uh, the headline. Now, basic, and by the way, this, I do have a Samsung phone. And it has, it's a fairly new model. I just got it for my birthday, as a matter of fact. Thank you, baby. Uh, but <coughs> um, this has software on it, which is designed, it, I don't use my phone for gaming. Obviously, I'm not a big gamer. But if I was and I played games on my phone, then this would, uh, the software on the phone would allow it to shut down or slow down apps that were not involved in my gaming, which gives me better gaming performance. I don't give a crap about that, obviously. But it's called Samsung Game Optimizing Service. And, uh, yeah, there it is from the uh, Galaxy Store. If I'm not mistaken, it comes preloaded on newer phones. Uh, Reports have appeared online that claims the game-optimizing service, GOS on Samsung Galaxy devices, is putting a performance cap on not just games, but other apps. According to a list posted by a Twitter user, apparently complied with Korean users, oh, compiled with Korean users, there were more than 10... thousand apps that have been targeted by the gos number of malaysian apps have made their way onto that list and that includes our national covid19 app mysajatra we don't know exactly how many there are but we also noticed that cimb clicks and the classic maybank to you app uh not mae though also were on the list. So if you are a customer of CIMB and you use their Clicks app or the Maybank TU app and you're having problems and you have a Samsung phone, look into this uh, game-optimizing service. I'm, there is a way you can use under your settings. You can turn it off. I would suggest you uninstall it if that's even possible. But uh, it is apparently affecting uh, there you go there's there's my Sajatra highlighted right there uh, one of the apps that is a non game and can be affected uh, other ones were oh touch and go eWallet, boost air asia super app selcom lite life my digi maxis hotlink goodness my mobile my tnb that's like all the biggies Uh, They describe GOS as an essential application powering some of the features provided by game-focused system apps from Samsung, like Game Launcher, Game Booster, Game Plugins. And among them includes optimization for thermal memory, power consumption, CPU, and GPU. Uh, it, It helps because you need more of those to be playing games if you play games on your phone. But for those of us who do not, it can be having an effect on a Bunch of other apps that most of us use nearly every day. So check out the list and check out what they talk about here in this article. Again, it's from Laoyatnet, and you can uh, you can find the link in our show notes tonight. That's our description down below. Uh, some important information, especially if your phone has started jamming up or you have a newer Samsung phone and it's uh, it ain't it ain't working right, could be the source of your problem right there. All right, what else have we got? We got a bunch of weird stuff tonight. A lot of weird stuff, actually. You ever wondered about Antarctica? Mm, This is a cool link. Read this in our show notes tonight down below the description. This is from uh, news156media.com. And it is uh, an article about a former Navy officer who tells the truth behind Antarctica. Check it out. There's a picture of the guy. There's a picture of Antarctica and what looks very much like a pyramid. In fact, it is a pyramid, two pyramids, and this strange-looking creature. Very weird. Everybody knows Antarctica is the most mysterious place on the globe. The mystery of that continent increases when we learn that the FAA, that's the Federal Aviation Administration, has designated a no-fly zone in the middle of Antarctica. Before we go any further down the rabbit hole, we should carefully examine Piri-Rell's map. The Piri-Rise map, I guess, Rise map, depicts the ice-free Antarctica continent that we see today as a green continent. The Russian expedition, led by Fabian Gottlieb von Bellingshausen and Mikhail Lazarev. In Earth, uh, unearthed this one-of-a-kind chart about 500 years ago. Look at that. That's incredible. And it shows Antarctica as green and full of animals and things as any of the other continents. Uh, he recounts his exploits on the icy continent while escorting a group of researchers and scientists. And in Antarctica, he observed a medical emergency. When the Navy officer had to traverse the Arctic ice during the medical emergency, he observed a huge breach in the ice. He claimed the entire team of researchers he escorted to Antarctica unexpectedly vanished for two weeks, during which time no one was able to reach them. When they returned from wherever they had gone, they were appalled by what had transpired. They were told by top officials, Not to talk about it. A bizarre oval object in Antarctica was photographed by a satellite in 2012. There's that uh, picture there. And the strange structure on the ice, this one. Preliminary analysis could not determine whether it is a natural phenomenon or an artificial structure. Very weird. Not an isolated incident. Some very weird stuff has happened in Antarctica. I mean, there's a lot of garbage out there, but if you read through and you dig down into the rabbit hole, there are some very strange things that happen in that cold South Pole. Antarctica has been and will continue to be a mysterious location to which not everyone has access. Look at that. Look at that picture. That's a person right there. How cool is that? If you're listening on the podcast, sorry, it's a visual, but go over and check it out in our show notes tonight, and you will you'll see our article there. It's uh, it's very weird. An article is a cool cool place. All right, what else we got? Uh, we got more weirdness. Belmez faces appeared, and skeletons were found. When Belmez resident Maria Gomez Pereira, noticed a stain forming on her kitchen floor one day, August 1971. Little did she know she would become the center of one of the most fascinating and best documented cases of paranormal phenomenon in the whole of the 20th century, the Belmez Faces. Wow. You know what? When I see that on my live stream, the contrast kicked up. You can actually see that face. You can't on my other monitor here. Without any apparent cause, this stain in her floor began to develop over a period of time and eventually molded itself into a face. While it was forming, the stain was said to have moved position. Terrified, she tried to remove it several times by scrubbing it. All of her efforts proved futile. She solicited the assistance of her husband, Juan, and son Miguel. Juan's solution was much more of a final one than mere cleaning. Along with their son, he took a pickaxe to the whole floor and cemented a new one in its place. For about a week, things looked as though they had returned to normal, and then the face reappeared in the cement. (laughs) yeah. Uh, They still wanted it removed, but local gossip had begun and quickly spread around the Spanish town. And uh, when the mayor heard about the Belmez face, as it had been dubbed, he took steps to ensure the image was not destroyed. They removed it for some serious study, and the family asked the local council for whatever help they could get. Surveyors came to the property. The decision to uh, excavate the kitchen was taken. And it was considered the best and only method was to try and understand why this face was there. Didn't take them very long to find a potential clue. Buried almost ten feet beneath the kitchen floor were some skeletons. Human skeletons. And some of them had no heads. Yeah, (laughs) this story just gets stranger and stranger. Look at that. Wow. You got to read the whole article. Check out the pictures. Again, you believe it or not, I don't know. It's up to you to decide. But check this article out. It is in our description in our show notes tonight. The link is there. You can check it out. It's from historicmysteries.com. Very, very weird stuff. Sorry, coffee break time. By the way, you want a mug? This is our Miko merchandise. It's got our show logo on it. See, same as that, right over there. And Miko is on the mug. You can get hats, T-shirts, mouse pads, stickers, all kinds of cool stuff. That link is also in our description. It's the very first link, right under the name of the show. You'll see a link to Miko merchandise, which is what this is. Check it out. There we go. All right, Uh, there's our plug for Miko merch. Or it's actually, I'm not wearing pants merch, but we call it Miko merch because the little girl is featured
1: on everything.
0: (laughs) All right, we're going from uh, the weirdness of Antarctica to Spanish faces of the buried dead to proof of a parallel universe. Mm, Maybe. This is a really weird story. Like I told you, I got a lot of weird crap tonight, so bear with me, but it's interesting. Proof of a parallel universe? A Nazi coin was found in Mexico from the year 2039. Yeah, like almost 20 years from now in the future. It sparks bizarre theories, but uh, you read the article, here's a picture of the coin. For a long time, alternative universes have been used as a plot for science fiction. Uh, But there are many who wonder if if it's possible, if it's true, what life would be like in a parallel universe. And uh, if there even is some alternate version of you in another timeline. Well, scientists have spent time investigating the potential of alternate realities for many, many decades. And over the years, they've exposed a lot of theories, some of which have some real evidence to back them up. So if there are any of these theories that are correct, there may be a universe somewhere different from ours. One of the most popular theories is string theory. Now, I'm not going to get into string theory, because frankly, I don't know enough about it to even begin to understand, but uh, according to this, in the most simplistic tell-it-to-me-like-I'm-five version, that we live in a multiverse of nine dimensions, with only three of them visible to us. Well, uh, a video posted on YouTube shows a man who claims to have discovered a Nazi coin from the year 2039. And here is the coin itself. Here is a swastika. Let me get my mouse back here. Here's a swastika in the middle. And there's the date, which is not entirely clear, but it does appear to say 2039. Um, The mysterious coin was found by Diego Aviles in a work in Mexico. Uh, he explains that what caught his attention was when he read the inscription and saw the year 2039. Uh, just above the imprinted year is Reichstadler Nazi Party symbol, along with the words Nueva Alemania, which translates to New Germany. Weird. On the other side of the coin, the writing Allies in Aina Nation, which means all in one nation, a motto that would perfectly serve a country that's dominated the world. Uh, In Mexico, there's a state called Nueva Alemania, located in the municipality of La Concordia. Uh, But it's known there's no record of any arrival of any Nazi currency. And this video has gone quite uh, viral. You can actually see a link to it in this article, which is linked in our show notes description, there's no way of knowing if that 2039 written on the coin is actually the year. Uh, the number 39 is very clear, as I said, but it the other it could be 1939, which would sort of make sense. Uh, in fact, the silver two Reichmark and five Reichmark coins with the Nazi swastika were issued between 1938 and 1939. Uh, It's a coin, a silver coin, supposedly from the year 2039. So very weird. And this is the the video on YouTube. You can check that out. It was found in a construction site dig in Mexico. And the story is amazing. You've got to check it out. If you have a chance, just click on the link in our description down below, our show notes, and it'll take you right to that article and you can check it out. It's from like Mysteries Unresolved or something.com. All right. Wow, the future. The future. Mm, or a parallel universe, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, another coffee break. All right. <clears throat> there we go. <clears throat> wow, that snuck up on me. <clears throat> the future. What does it look like? What did it look like in 1989? Well, check this out. In 1989, the BBC, Blue Peter, showed us that video meetings in the future would be terribly exciting. I can't play the audio for this copyright stuff and everything. But again, if you're listening on the podcast, the link is in our show notes. I will read the headlines as they come up. this might look like a normal telephone. As she's talking in the mirror. But there's something special about it. It's the world's first small desktop video telephone. And this is the very first time it's ever been seen on British television. Comes from Finland. And over the next few years, this site may become very common indeed. Now, not only can I talk to Yvette, but I can also see her on this small TV screen. The picture I'm seeing is the video phone at the other end of the studio. And there's Yvette. Uh, We're not using any television trickery. And you don't need a satellite dish to get the pictures. Karen's using the desktop video phone unit. And I'm using a normal telephone, has a receiver and a keypad, but it also has a small video camera at the top, not really small by today's standards, which takes a color picture, and then the sound and picture are squeezed into the modem, which sends signals at high speed down an ordinary telephone line. And that's the clever bit. The picture at the other end is a bit jerky. The signal can't send as many signals as you would to need uh, to create a normal picture. But... uh, you see a picture of her brushing her hair and look, look at the speed. Look at this lightning speed of this connection, huh? <laughs> so there you go. That is the 1989 version of what you're watching right now. Nowadays, we've got Zoom meetings with, you know, 10, 15, 20 people in them. And uh, yeah, look at that. High quality. Can you imagine trying to do a Zoom meeting with this sort of thing? It's like one frame every five seconds. (laughs) Unbelievable. Check that out. The whole video, you can listen to it and uh, check it out. Uh, This is 1989 technology. Now, to be fair, that's actually going through a phone line, which back in 1989 was a hardwired phone line between your house and everybody else's house. So... For what it is at the time, that ain't so bad. But uh, when you look at how far we have come today, it's <laughs> it's weird to say the least. All right. Uh, what do we got to do now? Oh, I know. We got to get to our book. Um, as you know, we read books on this show. We do. We have done that from our very first show, 184 shows ago, and uh, we... Read the classics. We've done The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, uh, Alice in Wonderland, Little Prince, uh, you name it, Christmas Carol. We've done so many books here. And we read them all the way through till we get to the end, and then we start another one. We do about a chapter a night, sometimes a chapter and a half, or a half a chapter, depending upon how long it is. And we have been doing Tom Sawyer for the past many streams, because it is a very long, long, long book. Um, One thing I do need to let you know right in the beginning, and I say this every time we read a book like this, it was written in 1876 by Mark Twain. Some of the words in this book were perfectly okay and acceptable in 1876. Today in 2022, not so much. That includes the N-word. It is used in this book. And back in 1876, that's how they spoke. Today, we don't. However, we are reading the book exactly the way it was written, which does include some words that some people might find offensive. If you find them offensive, you may want to go find something else to do for the next 15 minutes or so. All right, so let's pop up the cover of the book. Let's move on ahead to the chapter we're starting. It's a very short chapter, so we may read a little bit of the next one before we uh, close out the show tonight. This is chapter 24. Yeah, chapter 24 in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. When we left this book, Tom was in the courthouse testifying And Injun Joe threw himself out of the courthouse window when he realized he'd been caught. Tom was a glittering hero once more. The pet of the old, the envy of the young. His name even went into immortal print, for the village paper magnified him. There were some that believed he would be president, yet if he escaped hanging. As usual, the fickle, unreasoning world took Muff Potter to its bosom and fondled him as lavishly as it had abused him before. But that sort of conduct is to the world's credit. Therefore, it is not well to find fault with it. Tom's days were days of splendor and exultation to him. But his nights were seasons of horror. Injun Joe infested all of his dreams, and always with doom in his eyes. Hardly any temptation could persuade the boy to stir abroad after nightfall. Poor Huck was in the same state of wretchedness and horror, for Tom had told the whole story to the lawyers that night before the great day of the trial and Huck was sore afraid that his share in the business might leak out. Yet, notwithstanding Injun Joe's flight, had saved him the suffering of testifying in court. The poor fellow had got the attorney to promise secrecy. But what of that? Since Tom's harassed conscience had managed to drive him to the lawyer's house by night and ring a "'dread tale from lips that had been sealed "'with a dismalest and most formidable of oaths, "'Huck's confidence in the human race "'was well-nigh obliterated. "'Daily, Muff Potter's gratitude "'made Tom glad he'd spoken, "'but nightly he wished he'd sealed up his tongue. "'Half the time,' Tom was afraid Injun Joe would never be captured, but the other half, he was afraid he would be. He felt sure he never could draw a safe breath again until that man was dead, and he had seen the corpse. Rewards had been offered. The country had been scoured, but no Injun Joe was found. One of those omniscient and awe-inspiring marvels, a detective came up from St. Louis, mosed around, shook his head, looked wise, and made that sort of astounding success which members of the craft usually achieve. That is to say, he found a clue, but you can't hang a clue for murder. And so, after that, detective had gone through and gone home, Tom felt just as insecure as he was before. The days slowly drifted on, and each left behind it a slightly lightened weight of apprehension. And that is a very short chapter 24. So, we'll move on to the first part. Of chapter 25, with Miko yapping in the background. (laughs) There comes a time in every rightly constructed boy's life when he has a raging desire to go somewhere and dig for hidden treasure. This desire suddenly came upon Tom one day. He sallied out to find Joe Harper, but failed of success. Next, he sought Ben Rogers. He'd gone fishing. Presently, he stumbled upon Huck Finn, the red-handed. Huck would answer. Tom took him to a private place and opened the matter to him confidentially. Huck was willing. Huck was always willing to take a hand in any enterprise that offered entertainment and required no capital, for he had a troublesome superabundance of that sort of time, which is not money. Where shall we dig? said Huck. Um, most anywhere. Why, is it hid all around? No, indeed it ain't. It's hid in mighty peculiar places, Huck. Sometimes on islands, sometimes in rotten chests under the end of a limb of an old dead tree, just where the shadow falls at midnight, but mostly under the floor in haunted houses. Who hides it? Oh, why robbers, of course. Where'd you reckon? Sunday school superintendents? Why, I don't know. If twas mine I, I wouldn't hide it. I'd spend it, have a good time. Oh, so would I, but robbers don't do it that way. They always hide it and leave it there. Don't they come after it any more? Now they think they will, but they generally forget the marks or else they die. Anyway, it lays there a long time, gets rusty, and by and by somebody finds an old yellow paper that tells how to find the marks. Paper that's got to be ciphered over about a week because mostly signs and hieroglyphics. Hi-roll which? hieroglyphics, pictures and things, you know, uh, that don't seem to mean anything. Have you got one of them papers, Tom? No. Well then, how are you going to find the marks? I don't want any marks. They're always buried under a haunted house or on an island or under a dead tree that's got one limb sticking out. Well... We've tried Jackson's Island a little, and we could try it again sometime, and there's, there's the old haunted house up on Stillhouse Branch, and there's lots of dead limb trees there, dead loads of them. Is it under all of them? How you talk, no. Then how are you gonna know which one to go for? We go for all of them. Why, Tom, it'll take all summer. Well, what of that? Suppose you find a brass pot with a hundred dollars in it, all rusty and grey, or a rotten chest full of diamonds. How's that? Huck's eyes glowed. That's bully, plenty bully for me. Just you give me the hundred dollars and I don't want no diamonds. All right. But I bet you I ain't gonna throw off on diamonds. Some of 'em's worth twenty dollars apiece. Well I ain't any hardly, but's worth six bits or a dollar. No, is that so? Certainly. Anybody tell you so? Ain't you seen one, Huck? Not as I remember. Ah, oh, kings have slathers of 'em. Well, I don't know no kings, Tom. I reckon you don't. But if you was to go to Europe, you'd see a raft of 'em hopping around. Do they hop? Hop your granny. No. Well, what did you say they did for? Shucks, I only meant you'd see em, not hop in the cause. But what do you want to hop for? I mean, you'd just see em scattered around, you know, like in a general sort of way, like that old humpback Richard. Richard? What's his other name? He didn't have any other name. Kings don't have any but a, a given name. No. Uh, but they don't. Well, if they like it, Tom. All right, but I don't want to be a king and only just have a given name. But say, what are you going to dig first? Well, I don't know. Suppose we tackle that old dead limb tree on the hill to the other side of Stillhouse Branch. I'm agreed. So they got a crippled pick and a shovel and set out on their three-mile tramp. They arrived hot, panting, and threw themselves down the shade of a neighboring elm to rest and have a smoke. I like this, said Tom. So do I. Uh, Say, Herc, if we find a treasure here, what are you going to do with your share? Well, I'll have a pie, a glass of soda, every day, and I'll go to every circus that comes along. I'll bet I'll have a gay time. Well, Ain't you going to save any of it? Save it for what? Why so as to have something to live on by and by? Oh, that ain't any use. Pap would come back to this your town some day and get his claws on it if I didn't hurry up. I' tell you he'd clean it out pretty quick. What are you going to do with yourn, Tom? I'm going to buy a new drum and sure enough sword and a red necktie and a bull pup and get married. Married? That's it. Tom, You, why you ain't in your right mind? Wait, you'll see. Well, that is the foolish thing I think you could do. Look at Pap and my mother fight. Why, they used to fight all the time. I remember mighty well. Now, that ain't anything the girl I'm gonna marry won't fight. Tom, I reckon they're all alike. They all comb a body. Now, you better think about this a while. I tell you better. What's the name of the gal? It ain't a gal at all. It's a girl. That's all the same, I reckon. Some guys say gal. Some says girl. Both's right like enough. Anyway, what's the name, Tom? I'll tell you sometime, but not now. All right, that'll do. Only if you get married, I'll be more lonesome than ever. Now nah, you won't. You'll come and live with me. Now stir out of this, and we'll go digging. They worked and sweated for half an hour. No results. They toiled another half an hour. Still, no results. And Huck said, Do they always bury it as deep as this? Mm, sometimes. Not always. Not generally. I'm reckoning we ain't got the right spot. So they chose a new spot, and they began again. The labor dragged a little, but they still made progress. They pegged away in silence for some time. Finally, Huck leaned on his shovel, swabbed the beads drops from his brow with his sleeve, and said, Where you gonna dig next, after we get this one? Oh, I reckon we'll tackle the old tree that's over yonder on Cardiff Hill, back of the widow's. I reckon that'll be a good one, but won't the widow take it away from us, Tom? It's on her land. She take it away? Maybe she'd like to try it once. Whoever finds one of these hid treasures, it belongs to him. It don't make any difference whose land it's on. That was satisfactory, and the work went on. "'By and by, Huck said, "'Blame it. We must be in the wrong place again. "'What do you think?' "'Mighty curious, Huck. I I don't understand it. "'Sometimes witches interfere. "'I reckon maybe that's what the trouble is now.' "'Shucks! Witches ain't got no power in the daytime?' "'Well, that's so. Mm, I didn't think of that. "'Oh, I know what the matter is.' What a plain lot of fools we are. You got to find out where the shadow of the limb falls at midnight, and that's where you dig. Then, consound it, we've fooled all this work for nothing. Now, hang all, we got to come back in the night. It's an awful long way. Can you get out? Oh, I bet I will. We got to do it tonight, too, because if somebody sees these holes, they'll know in a minute what's here, and they'll go looking for it. Well, I'll come around and meow tonight. All right, let's hide the tools in the bushes. The boys were there that night about the appointed time. And that's where we'll cut this chapter off. We'll return on Monday night and finish up this chapter. Find out what they find in their hole in the ground (laughs) in uh, Mark Twain's Adventures of Tom Sawyer. All right, my friends, that's going to do it for us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for your likes and shares. Please do subscribe. It's free and it's easy to do. You just click the button wherever it is. uh, Follow, subscribe, subscribe, rumble.com youtube twitch.tv and facebook of course we're live monday wednesdays and saturday nights and uh, we're also a podcast thanks for all your downloads we're doing great on our podcast across all the podcast platforms you can find us everywhere i will see you again on monday night until then i'm jay sheldon and i'm not wearing pants good night (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs>